0: Welcome to Are You Quizzing Me? I'm Vineet Nair with my co-host Aditya Kaship. This is a quizzing trivia podcast show where we ask each other questions and share what we know and learn with you. Though in a quizzing format, it's not competitive, the questions are simply a way of sharing our love of trivia. So sit back, relax and join us as we explore the depths of human knowledge. Here's the format. We ask each other questions alternatingly, as many as time permits while giving as many clues as needed to help each other get to the answer. Let's get quizzing. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with another episode. And as per tradition, we have to answer the question that Aditya poses to us at the end of every episode. So at the end of the last episode, he had posed the quite thought-provoking question What is the only upside to the mushroom management system? Keep in mind, it's called the mushroom management system because the idea is to keep your employees in the dark and feed them bullshit. Okay, so Aditya, what is the upside to this fascinating system?
1: The upside to being part of mushroom management is that if your boss is a mushroom manager, he'll at least be a fun guy. Oh, sweet. Jesus,
0: my God, man. You have no shame. <laughs> <laughs> you have no shame. I, I, Seriously, I I fungi, fungi jokes. Though.
1: Yes, fungi jokes. <laughs> I, I did drag a fungi joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, to was, be fair, as far as your jokes go, that was one of the best so far. That was, that was not as yeah. bad and painful as the others, yeah. Yes, yes. It's a compliment. I remember the carpet.
1: <laughs> Jim, Carver, <yes.
0: laughs> Jim Carver okay so uh, I think it's your turn to start off the episode this week so hit me
1: let me start with a little bit of um, the quirk of the English language well, not so much a quirk but a feature or the facet can you tell me what uh, do these words have in common destruction devilish Masculine, Observe, Plagiarist, Rambunctious, Supervisor.
0: Mm. It's not one of those things where the vowels are in order or something, right? No, it's
1: not. And this is not an exhaustive list. Okay.
0: There can be a lot more. I have no clue, frankly speaking. Rambunctious, Supervisor... Nope, you'll have to give me something.
1: So these these are a type of words. They all have something in common. Blossom, chicken, honourable.
0: They all have something in common. What does chicken have in common with rampunctious? With blossom? Nah, dude. Nope, nothing. Zip, zilch, nada.
1: <laughs> okay, no, that's fair because this is a very vaguely. Design question so far. Let me see if I can help you a little bit more. These type of words, so the name I'm looking for for these type of words is named after an animal, and that animal itself would both literally and metaphorically be an example of this feature of the word.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, I would very, have to very, figure out to the
0: feature. Yeah. No. No. It's. I'm just. I'm just trying to think. Uh, animal. I can't figure out what's the, what's the common between the words to kind of figure out what animal that would, uh, you know, be representative so, of it. So think synonyms. Blossom. Wait, are these words without any synonyms? No, they do have synonyms. They do have. Yeah, obviously, they do have synonyms.
1: In fact, mm. the fact that they have synonyms is very important to this feature. <laughs>
0: I feel like I'm digging into a hole and it's just going deeper and deeper with no gold in sight.
1: I mean, what are you thinking? I'll try to guide you along the way.
0: No, that's the problem. It's just a dark tunnel. I don't see anything. (laughs) I'm just digging deeper and deeper. I'm just waiting for a glint of gold at the end of this mine (laughs) that I'm digging. Okay, Uh, let me try to help you I'm frankly, uh, I have no clue where to go with this.
1: Okay, so like I said, it is named after an animal. And the animal itself is both literally and metaphorically <laughs> symbolic of this type of word. So the name of the animal would also be the type of the word. And okay. the animal represents this feature. Uh,
0: this feature.
1: This animal is, a, is, is the most famous. Oh boy, that'll be giving it away easily. Won't it? Well, it's still fine. You know what? Even if I give you the name, you'll still have to figure out what, what is the feature, right? Yeah. It's the most famous marsupial.
0: The a kangaroo. Mm-hmm.
1: So these are called kangaroo words. But what exactly do kangaroo words mean?
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, they have pouches no. <laughs> no the you're word... getting close. You're getting close. You're getting close. Wait, what? Uh, they have uh, pouches. Literally and metaphorically, you said, right? Yeah, so, so kangaroo literally, do...
1: as in the word kangaroo itself is a kangaroo word. Okay. And the animal kangaroo symbolizes what a kangaroo word is
0: uh supervisor blossom pouch joey kangaroos jump around uh-huh, uh-huh, australian uh-huh. kangaroo kangaroos jump joy,
1: around pouch you're getting there you're getting there
0: okay what are the pouches <laughs> meant
1: for what are the pouches meant for for in kangaroos
0: yeah so kangaroos are massive so once the uh, the young one of the marsupial is born, it grows inside a pouch. It grows inside its pouch. Uh-huh.
1: So they carry the young one. And I, what did I mention? What is the one feature that you want to focus on when thinking about the words? Uh, the pouch? No, no, the word itself. <laughs> Remember when you're talking about having a synonym?
0: Having a synonym. Okay. A pouch, uh, womb. No, I, I just, I just <laughs> stumbled. Okay, never mind,
1: it's, it's a very very obscure it's not very well known but i just like no no but I, I i really word. want to know this um so kangaroo words are words which have a synonym of itself within the word it contains a synonym of itself in the word itself
0: oh kangaroo would be rue
1: rue yeah that's right uh, um, blossom
0: would be what blossom bloom would be bloom bloom oh okay you can kind of take out a few letters. Yeah, the so it, they
1: have to be in order, but they can have other letters in between. Oh,
0: okay, okay.
1: So destruction would be ruin, devilish would be evil, masculine would be male, observe would be C, plagiarist would be liar, rambunctious would be raucous, supervisor would be superior. Uh, what other words? Brilliant. That Chicken would be hen, honorable would be noble. <laughs> Nice. These are called kangaroo words. And some of them uh, actually have multiple joys. So routine would be rote and rat. Loneliness has both loss and oneness. Chariot has both car and cart. Foundation has both fund and a font. So yeah, a bunch of them have kangaroo words. joys. Kangaroo words are the words which contain a synonym within itself. Just like a marsupial carries the young one. Uh, on its own
0: body, yeah. Nice, That's nice, nice. Word. Okay. No, I don't feel so bad because I would, I would. There's no way I could have worked this out. Yeah, you uh, so either I don't either so have bad.
1: heard of it or you don't know it. Yeah. So it's yeah,
0: it's one of those things. But it's it's. A, I don't think I'll ever forget this now. Kangaroo words. I should use it somewhere. Nice. Okay. uh Let me pivot to something else. I'm going to give you a list of people. Okay. It's uh, obviously a non-exhaustive list. And I'm going to leave one name out of it. That name will be the clue for you going on. So I'll tell you the list right now. Okay? Ready. So you have Anne Boleyn, who was uh, one of the queens of England. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Henry VIII. Hannibal Lecter, the famous uh, serial killer. Tara, who's an uh, actress from the south of India. Garfield Sobers, West Indian cricketer, Gemma Arterton, a uh, English actress, one-time Bond girl. What do these people have in common? Um, Again, this is one of those obscure is... pieces of trivia. Mm.
1: Hannibal. I'm thinking, do they all have a, a, a moniker which describes them, like a Hannibal the cannibal, like some rhyming? <laughs>
0: No, no, right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think Thomas Harris has ever written Hannibal the cannibal inside the novel. I think it's one of those things that's come up with the internet. We'll right. have to check yeah. that. But yeah, Hannibal Lecter, oh. you know, one of the mm. most terrifying characters ever written. Fantastic, portrayed by Hopkins.
1: Um, yeah. What? Uh, Let oh, me give you the list one, once again. Uh, and do they, do they...
0: Okay. Continue. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, based on the uh, historical figures, the English monarchs, I was going to guess, have they been portrayed by Oscar-winning performances, but Jemma probably hasn't been portrayed in a biopic.
0: No, neither has Nayantara, who's an actress from right, the south yeah, of India.
1: Also, right, yeah, sounds... also known
0: as the lady right. superstar of the south.
1: Um, no, I'll need a hint. Then.
0: Okay, so then I'm going to add one person's name to the list. Mm-hmm. it's probably a giveaway but chalo Hrithik Roshan again oh. <laughs> a, a huge actor I, of bollywood
1: people who have uh, a sixth finger
0: yes so these are all people who have uh, polydactyly as in okay. uh, also known as hyperdactyly which is an anomaly resulting in an extra number of fingers and or toes
1: interesting
0: Yeah. So Anne Boleyn, former Queen of England, was rumored to have six fingers on one hand. Mm -hmm. Now, but the fact is, see, this is a little bit uh, anecdotal, because the first time we hear of it is from uh, a Catholic dissenter. So it's possible that it was, you know, put about later, because in those days, people with extra feet and extra toes were considered witches or warlocks. Okay. So it's possible yeah. it might have been uh, just something to debase her name. Mm. In The Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal-, Hannibal Lecter is described as having a mid-ray duplication polydactyly That's a duplicated middle finger on his left hand, which he okay. later removes in a later novel as part of his cosmetic surgery to disguise himself. Mm. Nain Tara, Indian actress, has a very small rudimentary finger on her left hand the actress Gemma Arterton was born with six fingers on each hand, but she had those removed. Garfield Sobers, West Indian cricketer, had an extra finger on each hand, which he removed himself oh with the god. aid of cat cut and a sharp knife. Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>, yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, ouch is nice. Right. And as you know, Hrithik Roshan, uh, Greek god in an Indian body, uh, is an actor born with a extra thumb on his right hand?
1: You know, I have I have always wondered why uh, Indian casting directors don't go the extra mile when they're casting somebody as a young uh, Ritik Roshan, and they try to find an actor with a, a young child with like a sixth finger. Like I was watching Kabhi Kushi Kabhi Kam the other day, and Laddu when he's young he doesn't have six <laughs> fingers.
0: No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, it's not a very common thing you would you would actually need to find somebody who not only has polydactyly would would have to have the specific type of polydactyly where they have an extra thumb on the right hand
1: or, or i would i would appreciate even the the makeup and cosmetic department just putting in that prosthetic there yeah just a little bit i would appreciate yes, that, that uh, little
0: bit of detail <laughs> okay so that was my question yours wonderful
1: all right my next question so miss Lisa was from the early 1500s. Many centuries later, Napoleon was supposed to be infatuated with her and the the historical infatuation led to him falling in love with the descendant of hers as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she has a very famous uh, mailbox today. Who is this person I speak of? Can you repeat the question? Of course I can. There is nothing... (laughs) That is too much of a giveaway. I have kept very few facts in the question. So let me repeat it. Miss Lisa, Hmm. Lisa L-I-S-A, was uh, in the early 1500s a a woman of stature. And Mm -hmm. uh, she had some level of affection from Napoleon Bonaparte many centuries later. And um, he was so much in love with her that he actually... Fell in love with some descendant of hers as well, Teresa, and uh, she has a very famous mailbox.
0: She has a very famous mailbox. Yeah. Okay. Is this the Mona Lisa that he was in love with, and he's? Uh... You,
1: you know, I I I really regretted phrasing that question so badly because it was not, I was not supposed to say Miss Lisa. I was supposed to say. Miss, Miss Gerardini, which was the name of that <laughs> woman and I said Lisa and I was like ah David I. <laughs> I gave too much of it but you're right you're absolutely right you still cracked it and kudos to you it is Mona Lisa and uh, Le- Mona Lisa's name actually is not Mona Lisa it's Lisa Garrardini. Okay. it is supposed is thought to be this particular woman she was a merchant uh, wife or something right Yes, whose husband uh, commissioned the work in Florence back in 1503, I believe. And um, Napoleon is supposed to have had a massive crush on her, on the painting. And uh, he then fell in love with Teresa Guadagni, I believe that's how it said, uh, who is supposed to have been a descendant of Lisa. And uh, the famous mailbox is actually a mailbox she has in Louvre, where she receives that many number of. Uh, fan mail every year
0: that she requires her own postal box yeah
1: there's a dedicated uh, post box just for mona lisa the Louvre. Okay. and it's funny because you told me that uh some friend of yours told us that we should include more painting related trivia
0: yes arts and culture trivia. art and culture which brings well, me to my yeah. next question oh wonderful <laughs> so i had
1: this one planned anyways and yours i guess
0: yeah, so this is more of a music uh, rather than anything else. I'm fairly sure you'll get this very quickly, but you know, this is one of my favorite uh, uh, anecdotes in the music industry. So, the legend has it that uh, this famous musician could play 27 instruments. Uh, way back in 2004, Rolling Stone magazine left him out of their 100 gay greatest guitarists of all time later during another artist's induction to the rock and roll hall of fame many of these many other artists including this famous musician came together to play a very famous song as a kind of big fu to rolling stone during the middle of the song this musician stepped out from the background to deliver one of the most jaw dropping guitar solos ever 7 years later in 2011 When Rolling Stone revised their list, they included this musician, citing his 2004 performance during the induction ceremony as one of his best. Can you name the musician? And uh, bonus points with bragging points, if you can tell me whose induction it was and what song was being played.
1: Someone who was alive in 2004. Is this person still alive? I actually have not heard of this.
0: okay this person is unfortunately no longer with us a very famous very famous artist he was a musical genius though not many people know that side of him as in his ability to play so many instruments and to play them extremely well in fact he is so known for uh, his songs and other things that people don't technically, usually think of him as this extremely talented guitarist, but he was amazing.
1: You know what, this is going to expose my lack
0: of uh, knowledge about music in general.
1: But I'm thinking uh, famous guitarist, Jimi Hendrix, but not
0: uh, No, not 2004.
1: Not for the time period. I don't know why I thought Freddie Mercury, but again...
0: No, no, no. uh, Freddie Murphy not much of a guitarist. He had an amazing vocal range. I think it was a Two octave or four octave range. He had this amazing mm. vocal range.
1: Okay, and he was he was a pianist. uh Is he a solo artist or is he part of a band? Yes, solo, solo. Okay, solo artist. So gonna make a wild guess here.
0: He signed his first record deal when he was just nineteen.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say Michael Jackson,
0: but I know that doesn't fit. Then. No. Um. Michael Jackson wasn't a guitarist. He was a dancer, Um, singer, but not a guitarist. Yeah, I was
1: assuming that that's a feature I didn't know, that he was also a guitarist. But, um, okay, then if it's not Michael Jackson... uh, It's just randomly, I don't know, this is probably really... mm, I'm going to say it. Fine, fine, I look stupid. It's all right, just for the entertainment's sake. Is it by any chance... (laughs) Is it by any chance Prince?
0: It is Prince.
1: Oh, Oh my god, that is such a wild guess. The only reason is because he had a very famous guitar, I remember. The purple-colored one, I believe? Yeah, no, I,
0: I don't know about that particular piece of trivia, but yes, this is. he was an amazing guitarist. And in ah. 2004, when Rolling Stone released this uh, article with the 100 greatest guitarists, they left him out. It was considered ah. this kind of huge snub by Rolling Stone magazine. And oh. then a few years later, during... Another artist's induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Do you know which one?
1: Oh, boy. 2004? No idea. No,
0: this was in... Uh, yeah, so 2004. So that was uh, George Harrison, the Beatle. His induction oh, wow. to the he Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. in 2004? Fame. Yeah. See, that's a problem, no? it's... Uh, Lennon and McCartney took all the, you know, the fame. Yeah. George Harrison... I mean, Harrison and- Harrison was included in 2004. That is insane. Yeah, yeah it was only, it was in 2004, and during his introduction, Tom Petty, Steve Winwood, Jeff Lynne, and Prince, with another mm. few artists, performed uh, what I think personally is one of the best Beatles songs, and probably and George Harrison's best work. Do you know the song? Mm. Considering the fact that <laughs> no. there is a, an amazing guitar solo in between, that itself is a huge clue. Mm, uh, okay. yeah. So three. this was uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Yes, I have it's heard. one of my favorite Beatles songs. It's one of the few songs that Harrison himself wrote and composed, if I'm not okay. mistaken. He wrote and composed the song. It's just this amazing guitar song and you really it's available on youtube it's one of the best live performances that you can see this huge band you know of very talented musicians they start playing and in the middle like you wouldn't even notice prince in the beginning right mm-hmm. and in the mm-hmm. middle suddenly this you know uh, light pops up in the middle of the stage and this man just walks in and just delivers this amazing solo the swag with which he played mm-hmm. Like, it was just effortless. The way he played it, it was just this amazing thing. I'll never forget seeing that video for the first time. It's just amazing. Yeah, so this was uh, the thing. So then later in 2011, when Rolling Stone revised their list, they very, you know, uh, they put his name back in and cited this particular (laughs) performance as (laughs) one of his best.
1: So they needed proof, huh? (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: Okay, your turn. Um, My turn, that is. Caldet University in 1894 was having a fantastic run in its football matches. So, in in the football tournament, this is in the US, so American football, they were having a fantastic run. Um, But the coach was worried that the other teams were uh, copying their moves and stealing their plays. So, what originated from this particular instance? Uh, modern-day practice originated from this instance?
0: The thing where they, uh, you know, scream out, oh, 32, 23, 24, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have no clue. I, I don't know the basics of American football. I had a, that, once is... heard a friend describe it as rugby with helmets.
1: <laughs> yeah no um rugby with concussion perhaps i don't know but um no that's not what the origin is um i'll tell you a bit more this university mm-hmm. is a private university uh, meant for the hearing impaired and the deaf
0: okay and so they were the sign language against... or they make they made up signs to show the to call the plays from the sideline the coach Instead of uh, shouting out the plays, he would, you know, sign them out. That uh, They do that in baseball, it, right?
1: Well, again, you are asking me something I don't know anything about. I'm not sure what they do in baseball. Oh, okay. yeah, they do. Wait, you're right, you're right, you're right. I have seen yeah. that in films yeah. about baseball. That's my yeah. knowledge of baseball. <laughs> it's of not field. that, I'm guessing. No. It, uh, no, it is not that. It's a much more common practice
0: than just that. It's okay, now it's a common practice in sport or in regular life. definitely in sport, but even otherwise. okay, even otherwise. Sometimes otherwise yeah so the the guy the coach is afraid that the opposite team is able to catch their plays. Mm-hmm. They copy their players
1: on the right path. on the right path, yes, yes.
0: okay. So they
1: went up against two other deaf schools and they beat them decisively. So, the Pennsylvania Dev School, they beat 24-0, and the New Uh York deaf School, they beat 26. But uh, this gentleman, Paul Hubbard is his name, the coach, he was worried that the other teams would steal their plays. So, Uh what happened next?
0: Wait, is this the origin of ASL, American Sign Language?
1: No, this isn't the origin of ASL, no.
0: Okay. Huh copy so this
1: is key. so what uh, practice I'm referring to the modern day practice is more sports related but you can see it in some other context
0: is it the huddle
1: it is the huddle you are right it is the huddle <laughs> absolutely bang on no, so be, be, okay, Paul, yeah, okay,
0: yeah
1: Paul Hubbard was afraid that his sign would be huh. read and understood by the other team as well because ah. everybody signed they okay, were all yeah, yeah. uh hearing yes yes and makes sense huh, huh. so he decided to huddle up his players form a tight circle and then tell them about whatever they were going to do next uh right. ensuring that nobody else could see what uh, they were talking about
0: yeah no we have the same thing in the lab just today i had a huddle with my team uh we call it a huddle you know basically we're discussing something but then yeah 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 then... Okay, so that's that's the, the,
2: that, the very
1: literal uh, formation of getting into a circle and, you know, mm. putting your heads together. That huddle in the sports context context definitely was born from this instance.
0: Nice. Oh. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Okay. So this is, I'm going to give you a list. Uh, this is a slightly tricky question. Think outside the box a little bit. The first astronauts recruited by NASA were Scott Carpenter, Alan Shepard, Wally Shera from the U.S. Navy, Gordon Cooper, <coughs> Gus Grissom, Deke Slayton from the U.S. Air Force, and John Glenn from the U.S. Marine Corps. Why is there no one from the U.S. Army?
1: I know this, I know this, and it's just <laughs> my mind. Because I've read this exact piece so of trivia, I probably have it somewhere also. Uh, there's somebody from the Navy,
0: the... The Air Force Marine, and the U.S. Marines. The Marine Corps.
1: Because the Army did not have any pilots.
0: A little more specific, I'll give it to you, but if you can get the very specific uh, reason... Army did not
1: have any planes. I don't know. <laughs> no. the,
0: uh, the US Army does not have test pilots. These were all test pilots. Test pilots,
1: okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. The that's Army right. did not have a army. test
0: pilot school. Yeah. That's the reason that's why, that's why that's the that. Army did not contribute any astronauts towards the first astronaut program, the Mercury program. Wonderful,
1: wonderful.
0: Okay, 57. that was a very quick crack, brilliant by the way. And <laughs> no, no, uh, all
1: really righty, so let's do some etymology because, <laughs> <I'm
0: born laughs> yeah, that's new. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so we Indians probably have all heard and read about the rebellion of 1857, uh, yes. A little questionably portrayed in the movie Mangal Pande, but uh, yes, we have all studied yes, and very
0: questionably it. portrayed.
1: <laughs> so the idea was that the cartridges were mm-hmm. meant to
0: have been coated in pig fat.
1: Exactly. So they were coated in pig fat and sometimes even uh, cow fat, beef mm. fat. So they were desecrating both the Muslims and the Hindus. Yes. Um, what etymology was born from this particular instance? It is thought to have been born from this instance.
0: I am tempted to say bite the bullet, but I've heard that the it has an etymology from the American Civil War.
1: Uh, Beneath, you get it too quickly. <laughs> this will be a short episode <laughs> it is bite the bullet your idea right it is bite the bullet um, the idea being bite the bullet of course the phrase means to just suck it up and, and do what is asked of you so okay, when okay. the Indian sepoys were uh, told to bite the bullet as they were to pull the cartridge out and uh, hence I guess commit a sacrilegious act They were biting the bullet just because that was their job. And those who didn't were not willing to bite the bullet. Uh, You're right. It does have a contested etymology. So this one would be from the American Civil War. And the idea was during uh, these wars. Amputations. Amputations happening. You had to bite on something so you did not bite your own tongue off. So Mm. they had bullets available. However, this uh, this etymology is a bit contested because there are more accounts of the soldiers there biting onto leather straps
0: hmm, hmm, makes sense.
1: than bullets themselves. Which will so, probably break your teeth. Yeah, so you would want to bite onto something like a leather strap. This is what, it is also something that uh, is useful knowledge if, if anybody near you is ever having a stroke. You can use a wallet to make sure that they don't bite onto the tongue. But of course, you want to keep something which is not as hard as a bullet. So probably not the origin from the American Civil War. Hence, the Indian version might have some credibility. And, uh, right, right. a little piece of trivia as well.
0: Yeah. No, you... uh, yeah. I have heard uh, from, uh, I think I've mentioned to you before that I listened quite religiously uh, to a podcast named Empire with uh, mm, yes, Anita have, Anand yeah. and William Dalrymple. Yeah. And they have this episode, which is a beautiful uh, description of the uh, the first uh, the revolution of 1857. And what they mention is that it's not just the Indians; even the uh, British soldiers were not were completely hesitant to bite into this because it was like biting into vaseline.
1: Oh, I see. Got
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, And there were other things also happening which kind of stoked the flames that uh, many of these soldiers felt that uh, a kind of religious conversion thing was also being pushed onto them. So mm-hmm. there were a lot of factors, again, to the uh, people listening. Empire is probably a, 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 one of the best podcasts I've listened to. I'm plugging them uh, free of cost. We have nothing to do with it. <laughs> but I would love to have William Dalrymple as a guest if nothing else to just hear him talk for two hours uh but yeah so that's a beautiful episode on uh, 1857 a very balanced uh view uh you know taking both the uh, both the sides he takes both the sides and presents it beautifully just taking that because i am obsessed with that podcast i'm practically obsessed with it
1: well now we all have another podcast to listen to apart from this wonderful yes. one that we
2: are currently yes in. yes yes yes, yes okay. definitely
0: definitely ours is the best ours is the best <laughs> All right, you're done. Okay, okay, my turn. Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's a horror anthology television series which aired on Nickelodeon from 1992 to 1996. Season 3, episode 10, the tale of the dream girl has long been speculated as having been the inspiration of this iconic horror movie. One of the very few to be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars in the year 2000. Which movie?
1: The year 2000.
0: It's one of the very, very few horror movies to be, uh, you know, nominated for for Best Picture. Best Picture. Yes.
1: Hmm. Um, and you said the name of the episode was uh, Dream Girl? Sorry, can you repeat the name?
0: Yes. So the the series is called Are You Afraid of the Dark? And the episode mm-hmm. uh, was called The Tale of the, Dream Girl. Tale of the
1: Dream Girl. And this movie did not win the Oscar, right? I'm assuming.
0: It did not win the Oscar, but it was one of the very few horror movies nominated for Best Picture.
1: Okay, interesting. Because I know I don't know if Silence of the Lambs qualifies as a horror film.
0: Yeah, not so there. Silence of the Lambs is one of those which has uh, been nominated for Best Picture, but uh, but it, it was not two thousand. It, it no, this that was nineteen ninety 1990, nineteen ninety two somewhere around those uh, around that time, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Probably, probably. Um, which horror movie was an Oscar? Oh. Uh, I'll need a bit more of a hand.
0: Okay. Um, it's a very famous horror movie with, a, with an Indian connect.
1: Is it Indian connect? Yes. Is it uh, our man M. Knight? Is he the connect?
0: Yes, he is the connect. So then which is the oh, movie? Then, then, uh, then we are talking about... Uh, My God. (laughs) (laughs) You're blanking, you're blanking. I love this. Come on, Aditya. How many senses do you have?
1: I see myself as a dead person right now.
0: (laughs) 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 How many senses do you have? Six six sense, yes, yes, I know it, I know it, I know
1: the name. (laughs) I'm going to cry. (laughs) Sixth sense, yes.
0: Yes, Um, it was, okay. So the sixth sense, there was a lot of speculation in uh, the you know discussion boards of the time that this Ooh. movie was inspired by this episode so the episode goes something like this okay the story is about a young man who is haunted by a dead girl he tries to get help uh, get help from his sister but in the end he realizes that his sister is the only other person who can see him besides the dead girl he can see the okay. dead girl because he too is dead and right. he died in the same accident as the dead girl, and they were a couple. And at the end of the episode, he goes into the afterlife with her. So you have this concept of somebody who's dead, the lead oh. character being dead and not knowing the fact that he's dead. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert, 24 years later, but still. <laughs> so uh, the episode reminded a lot of people about The Sixth Sense in a lot of places online, but Shamlan allegedly outright cited the episode as an influence on The Sixth Sense. In a lot of places online, you'll find articles which say that he has cited the episode as an influence. However, in an interview at uh, Screen Crush with Shyamalan, Britt Hayes got to the bottom as of whether the story is true or not. And Shyamalan specifically said no. So it's just a coincidence. Oh, okay.
1: well, lovely coincidence.
0: Okay. Yeah, very. It made his career. Kind of actually also doomed his career because I feel that after a practic after that movie, he I think felt the need to put a twist in everything.
1: Yeah, he started parodying himself after that. Hmm.
0: Somehow, and some of the twists were just I mean, like seriously, signs. Did you do you remember the twist in signs?
1: I it was ridiculous, yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, it, it just boggles the imagination that aliens would travel billions of or millions of light years, get to a planet that is 70% water without realizing the fact that they're allergic to water? <laughs> Come on, it's just silly.
1: I hope he comes back with a good movie soon.
0: No, apparently, yes, apparently there's, a, there's this new movie. It's called, the, what is it called? The Cabin at the End of the World, or what is it called?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, I have seen promos for that. It's that. Uh,
0: it's Dave Batista.
1: Yes, the family which is being threatened by Dave Batista and Rupert Grint, of all yes. people. Lovely to see him back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's taken time out from his real estate portfolio Rupert and his Grint ice cream. Is a truck. realtor? No, he's not a realtor. He's basically invested a lot in real estate. Uh, he has his ice, own ice cream truck he lives his life uh, when you make that much money as a kid
1: good for good you can live
0: the your point. life with the, however you want
1: all right my question tell me Vineet, what do these things have in common i'm going to list a few things you can tell me what do they have i can in tell
0: common. you right now they are all being narrated by you
1: that is the right answer. I think we're done for this podcast <laughs>
0: sure.
1: No, I will not give you. I think I've given you a few easy ones this round. So I'm going to, hopefully this will be a bit tough, but you're too smart.
0: Easy ones? Seriously? Kangaroo words was easy for you? I literally said Miss Lisa. Like, I don't
1: know how much easier I say it. Yeah, Miss Lisa. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Scandinavian islands. Okay. Towns in Denmark. Okay. flowers and plants areas in Norway names of boys and names of girls what do these things
0: all have in common what <laughs> names of boys names of girls seriously all the, so, the millions of <laughs> names in, <laughs> of boys and girls you want to tell me what's in common with that I,
1: I, yeah I don't know that is a terribly terribly is <laughs> such <laughs> <laughs> a question I, I'm trying to make this hard. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's try that one more time. So Scandinavian islands. So that's the first thing. The next one okay. is towns in Denmark. Okay. Uh, the third one is flowers and plants. Fourth is areas in Norway. The fifth is names of boys, especially in a Germanic language. Okay. And names of girls in the Germanic language as well.
0: Names of boys, names of girls. Is there anything to do with the kingdom of Denmark and Norway? Uh, no. Not really, no. No, okay. Um, Scandinavian islands. Why does that somehow ring a bell somewhere? Scandinavian like islands have some prefix or something, right? The islands, what, what something? No.
1: This is beyond uh, my pay grade. Okay, so then it's <laughs> no, definitely not at least... Not that. At least... It's not in the context of this. Uh, fact
0: okay, though. it's not in the context of this. Uh, a lot of Scandinavian names have... Uh, not, they're not particularly Germanic, but a lot of Scandinavian names have uh, son and daughter in the name. So Thor's son, Eric's daughter, that kind of thing. But that's Iceland, I think.
1: Okay. I would not be too sure, no. But anyways, it's okay. not the case in this
0: fact. Okay.
1: Would you like a hint? Take yes, a hint? I would. Because this was a tough one. Okay, so the connection between all of these is, mm. or the reason behind all of these in some way, is dyslexia.
0: This particular individual had dyslexia. Oh, wait, there's a con- the connect is a person? In a way. Wait, how can names of girls and names of boys be connected to a person?
1: Well, I did not say it's connected to the person themselves, but <laughs> the reason that they came to be, the reason that this list exists is because one person had dyslexia this one particular person had dyslexia
0: this person had dyslexia surprising large number of creative people have dyslexia mm. uh, so that mm. doesn't particularly narrow it down but uh, it's a list you said mm-hmm. areas of Denmark names of boys and girls in Germanic regions no nope, dude, nothing
1: I'm gonna give you one more connection. Maybe this helps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sweden.
0: Yeah, not helping.
1: <laughs> the country of Sweden. No, <laughs> I give you a whole country. <laughs> no, it's Come
0: like, on. No, wait. The Nobel Come Prize. On,
1: <laughs> no, wow, that's a wonderful guess, but no, it's not the right answer
0: in this case. Nothing to do with monarchies, right?
1: No, it's not. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little bit more. So I hope I'll get you there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a company the connect is actually a company ikea ikea is the right answer you are bang on okay we so this I, is
0: this is their name the names of their uh, the, their products their ranges or something like that right
1: exactly exactly so uh, uh, ingvar kamprad uh, i assume that's how it's pronounced was a find, mm-hmm. founder of ikea he had dyslexia so he had trouble remembering item codes so, he okay. simplified it by naming things after a specific category. So, let's give you examples. Outdoor furniture is named after Scandinavian islands.
0: Hmm. Rugs
1: are named after towns in Denmark. Okay. Bed and bath accessories are named after flowers and plants. The beds, the beds are named after areas in Norway.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Shelves are named after the common boys' names. And fabrics and curtains are named after the female names, the girls' names. So all of these basically fall under a broad category. And while they might sound random to us, they make a lot of sense to people who speak uh, the North Germanic languages, Swedish and Norwegian. that's the source of IKEA names.
0: IKEA. There is a related, uh, you know, something, a concept that's very similar to this, Uh, I, nah, I'll just say it. I mean, like, I don't plan to put it as a question anyway. But uh, if I remember correctly, and Aditya, you may want to fact check this, but uh, Volkswagen uh, uh-huh. names its cars after uh, particular winds.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting. interesting. So
0: the Scirocco, uh, the Jetta, these are all, Jetta, I think, is after the Jetstream, Scirocco is a type of... Wind from somewhere in Europe or something like that. So, the names of their cars mostly are from, you know, named after winds. So, they have that concept, if I'm not mistaken. We'll have to fact I check it, this, but I I'm fairly surprised. sure that's uh, a fact. Okay, that's very really cool. Okay. So, the final question uh, for me for this episode this game uh, was spawned from a discussion between Bob Guernsey who was a sporting goods retailer, Hayes Knoll, who was a stockbroker, and Charles Gaines, who was a writer. They were all good friends, and they enjoyed sitting down over a beer or two and discussing all sorts of topics. One of the topics they'd been discussing or debating was survival in the woods. Specifically, they questioned whether or not a city dweller with street smarts could hold his own against a country person in the woods. This debate continued on for a few years until they came up with this game. For the game, they utilized equipment which was originally made for use by loggers and cattlemen. Which game are we talking about?
1: Settlers of Qatar. No, no, no. Okay. Um, is it a board game?
0: No, it is not. Ah,
1: so, and all the makings of a board game.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: is it a? Then I would assume it's a video game.
0: It is not. Hmm. Okay.
1: It's not a board game. It's not a video game.
0: It's an in-person game. <laughs> okay. It cannot be tic-tac-toe. No, no, it's not tic-tac-toe.
1: Okay, yeah, think Hat was probably a lot more ancient. Um, Could you uh, tell me about where this came up?
0: Uh, this is the US. It America. is the and, uh, did you good mention old United the States? States. The year, I believe, would be 1981.
1: Oh, that's a fairly recent game.
0: Dude, that's like 40 years ago.
1: No, no, but I'm in the context of games. In the I
0: context of yeah. human history, yes, it is. Fair. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, okay. And, sorry, could you repeat what uh, the, the the articles, what was it, the, the resources used were?
0: So they utilized equipment which was originally made for use by loggers and cattlemen.
1: Oh, is it Jenga?
0: No, it is not Jenga.
1: Hmm. Okay, now then i need a bit more of a hint.
0: Okay. Um, is it a this card uses game? As particular, as well? Sorry? Is it a card game? It is not a card game. So, okay. uh, the uh, equipment that they are using was uh, developed in the 1960s. And it was used by cattlemen. And it was uh, never intended to be used. For a game with people involved, it was used for cattle. Loggers also used these. Okay, let's just put this. Just listen to this portion. This is specifically the clue. So one of the topics, as we mentioned, that these guys kept debating is whether somebody who was raised in the city, who was a city mm-hmm. dweller, could go up against a an experienced woodman in a you know in the context of you know the woods and survival and whatnot.
1: Oh, no, no, I, I got that. I was trying to think. That's
0: why. Okay, it's a very, f- it's, it's, it's it's uh, used quite a bit nowadays, uh, by a lot of uh, you know players independently as well as corporates, uh, team building exercises and whatnot. Not in India, but I think in the West, yes, it is one of those things. It's a team sport. Like it's a team based game. It can be played solo, but it can also be played in teams
1: my god what is this game <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I I'm assuming it you know is this. famous enough yeah I've heard of it definitely okay um no I'm still completely drawing a blank I, you know when you said <laughs> teams, oh, I can't believe that's the first one that came to it it's like pin the tail like a <laughs> <it's, laughs> okay. country dweller be able to pin the tail <laughs> no, okay.
0: better than so when dweller. this uh, when this game uh, was first started uh, you know, an article was published about it in the 1981 October issue of Sports Illustrated. And they began selling it as a survival game. They sold a kit and with the rules and everything and it was uh, termed a survival game. And this is 1982? 81, 81,
1: 82. Wow, I have no idea. I'm so completely...
0: Okay, so this... uh, Let me just put it this way. If uh, computers and first person shooters hadn't come along, this would still be, this would probably be everywhere. It is still quite a lot, but not as. uh, Like if you're a person who likes first person shooters, then this is definitely the game for you. Paintball? Yes, it is paintball.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Tell me more. Tell me more.
0: Yeah, so the first paintball gun was invented in the 60s by the Nelson Paint Company. Uh, they didn't call it a gun. They called it a marker. Mm. Okay, So it was never intended to be used on people. It was intended to be used by loggers and cattlemen. Loggers would use this to mark trees which they needed to cut down. And cattlemen used to mark cattle while on horseback. Okay. The uh, original paintballs used an oil-based fill. And the first official game took place on June 7th, 1981 in a wooded area of New Hampshire. So, Bob Guernsey, uh, the sporting goods retailer fellow, he wrote the rules of the game. Uh, very soon, an article was published in Sports Illustrated, and they saw the opportunity and began surviving, selling a survival game package for $150. Hmm. The package, uh, the kit rather, included a paintball marker, paintballs, goggles, and a rule book.
1: Okay.
0: However, at the time, it wasn't called paintball. It was known as the National Survival Game.
1: Wow, National Survival Game. Wow, that's yes, amazing National very Survival
0: high. Game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Oh, that's a wonderful piece of trivia. Thanks for sharing
0: that. Yes. Okay, cool. So that's the end of our episode for today. Uh, but before we leave, let's try the What's your question?
1: Uh yeah, actually, you know what? Let's ask this question. Mm, so we we mentioned how Prince was left out of the of the Rolling Stones list of uh, massive... Emission. Rolling Stone,
0: this is the, the magazine. Sorry,
1: Rolling Stone list, my bad. Rolling Stone list. Um, what other artists did the Rolling Stone forget when they
0: made that top 100 guitarist <laughs> list? I <laughs>
1: hey, don't know why I'm asking this. this
0: so <laughs> okay, let me just tell the people right now, the obvious answer is not everybody other than the 100. <laughs> <laughs> aditya have has something answer. more specific in mind or I rather do, he will yeah. come up with something more specific
1: <laughs> at some point during the next okay. week yes i will
0: yes yes so join us again next week to torture yourself that's all for this episode thank you for listening in we hope you enjoyed the show that you learned something new if you liked what you heard please consider subscribing to this podcast. And please leave us a review on your pod favorite podcast platform. Please, take the 10 seconds that it takes to just click a button and give us a review. It helps us reach a wider audience, allows more people to discover and enjoy the show. We'd also love to hear from you, feedback, suggestions, and even trivia. You can reach us on Instagram at are you quizzing me? We appreciate your support and look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future. Thanks again for tuning in and have a great day from me.
1: And uh, wait for the fact check at the end of the episode. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye.
0: Yes, bye.
2: And here's the fact check for the episode. The cloud guitar from Prince's 1984 film Purple Rain is considered iconic. The original guitar is now on display at the National Museum of American History in Washington, D.C. The U.S. Army does have experimental test pilots who are graduates from the U.S. Naval Test Pilot School. But after the screening based on minimum requirements for the Mercury 7, the original seven astronauts or NASA, The Army pilots were not selected because those that were initially screened, none were graduates from a test pilot school back then. Knock at the Cabin is the 2023 film by M. Night Shyamalan based on the 2018 novel The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Volkswagen did name a lot of its cars after wins. Golf refers to the Gulf Stream. Sirocco is named after a Mediterranean wind of the same name. However, Volkswagen soon left that trend behind and has named a lot of its cars since then differently. For example, from Greek mythology or Latin words and its derivatives. And that's all for the fact check.